I believe that veterans are the key to unlocking America's next golden age. By empowering and influencing one million veterans to transition well and become leaders in their communities, we can unlock our country's destiny and continue to change the world. My name is Bernard Bergen. I am talking with the team of CTC Media Group, and I hope to learn more about their upcoming film, Sincerely Brenda. And at first, you know, I just want to say thank you guys for being on the podcast. And I would just like to hear a little bit about you and just share your vision as we kick things off. Yeah, thanks so much, Bernard, man. Look, first, I just want to say appreciate you for having us on your platform and putting us in front of your audience. You do a lot of work to build up your audience and to build trust with your audience and to have us on and to trust us, you know, with our story. And just thank you so much for that. And so my name is Kenneth Nelson. I am the writer and the director of Sincerely Brenda. And my partner just jumped on. Um, I'll have him jump in and introduce himself. But this film, this is our first feature film of uh, CTC Media Group. And uh, we're just excited to bring this film to life and to put this film in front of everyone. It's a powerful message, powerful story. We have a powerful cast. All are from the Midwest. We really want to focus on Midwest talent. And I mean, it's just amazing people, amazing cast, amazing team. And so I'm just excited to talk about it. Again, you know, thank you for being on the podcast and, you know, just for taking the time to talk film. I think many times we hear film and we only think the traditional filmmaking studios and avenues. But I think now we have this renaissance where creatives from all walks of life, from all parts of the world and the country, can share their vision through film. I just want to go back to that. And what made you and your team decide to share your vision through film this way? Was it a penchant to record digitally already? Or was it something deeper that drove this film to blossom into what it is today? Yeah, it was definitely something deeper. I've always been, you know, as a child, I was attracted to film. You know, I would watch film. Films that I probably wasn't supposed to watch as a child, you know, the teenager, I'll say not a child, but a teenager. I was just attracted to movies, man, and, and just watch it all the time. And I started to make films as a kid. Like my parents had a VHS camera. And so I grabbed that camera and I would run around the backyard and make films and get my friends involved and my sister, my young sister involved. And I would learn how to edit in camera and figure out how to add music to it. I had this as a teenager, man. And I always wanted to go to Hollywood and make films. And so that didn't work out that way. I didn't, I was an actor first and I decided to go behind the camera and tell stories and learn how to do that. I said, well, this is going to be my back way into Hollywood, but it didn't work out that way. So I um, always been attracted to the film. So with this movie, um, I had this idea for a couple of years. And like I was telling you earlier, it was hard for me to write it because I didn't see myself as a writer. You know, mm-hmm. I said, I'm not a writer. I don't know how to write. That's, I don't know how to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to embarrass myself. And so, but the story wouldn't go away. It just stayed there. And I, the reason why, like, I was so afraid to write this because the theme that it deals with, you know, I, I didn't grow up seeing some of these things like the main character, Charles, he's an alcoholic. He's not an abusive father or husband, but he's, you know, he deals with some of his issues through alcoholism. He drowns himself in alcohol. And there's some other things going on in the family that I didn't necessarily grow up seeing. And I said, how can I write about this if I hadn't experienced it? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want to be inauthentic to someone else's story. Mm -hmm. So God, like, put this in my heart. He kept saying, you know, don't worry about what you don't know. Let me take care of that. But I still wouldn't write it. So fast forward, it was 2016. My production partner, Sean, he said, man, you got to just stop being such a perfectionist and just try Mm -hmm. to write it. Just get it out. Just get it out. Just write it. And he's really good at writing. He has like five screenplays that he's written because he just writes. He doesn't worry about trying to perfect it. He writes it and fixes it later, you know? (laughs) And so for me, I'm just like, let me get it fixed right now. So I just wrote it. I finished it. But the other thing that really propelled me was last year in April, my wife and I, we uh, found out we were pregnant. And so I said, I'm going to have to finish this screenplay before our son is born because I won't finish it. <laughs> yeah. There's, so the deeper, to get back to your question, like the biggest, the reason why this story has to be told, it's about forgiveness and redemption. And so many of us, I think we walk around with anger or with uh, hurt and we hold on to that and we, or we've hurt other people. And we walk around and we feel justified in why we hurt this person or we feel justified why we're holding on to this hurt from other people. And we think that 
we're okay, mm-hmm. but we're not. And the story talks about that. Uh, it talks about why it's important to forgive and the importance of forgiveness and then eventually redemption. And it centers around three Black men. And I wanted to have three Black men on screen going through a complex, varying emotions, not just one-dimensional characters, but complex three-dimensional characters, Black men going through some things on screen, fathers and sons having to go through these issues and eventually come out on the other side, working it out, working it out. Mm, mm, powerful stuff. And I, I love that you, you know, you segued into the theme of Sincerely Brenda. And what's interesting, you just talked about the complexity of the emotional range of your male characters, but the movie's entitled Sincerely Brenda. Any insight there? Yeah. So Brenda is the ex-wife and the mother and obviously the title character. She's probably in a few scenes of the film. It's interesting. This isn't a spoiler, but she dies at the very beginning. And so her death is what brings them all together or forces them together. But we get to see how she shaped her sons like through flashbacks. So because they have a lot of issues, the sons, they have a lot of things they're wrestling with from both parents, but she's not here to defend herself, you know? So you see kind of how her presence in the past shaped who they are now in in the present. And it's really like the title, Sincerely, Brenda, I'll give you guys a little. And so one of the first versions of the script, letters were very prevalent. Like, you know, she, at the Mm -hmm. end of the film, they were going to find like these letters that she had written to them and she never gave them. And it it was like, I didn't like that. I'm like, oh, that's corny. Like, that's not going to, let's scrap that. So eventually the entire movie is like a letter. It's symbolic for this letter that they come together. There's no closure really with her but they have to find that closure with each other and heal with each other. And then, because here's the thing, like a lot of times we, going back to forgiveness, we hold on, we don't forgive or we don't ask for forgiveness and that person or person, they die. And then now what do you do? (laughs) You can't go to them and say, I'm sorry. They can't ask for forgiveness from you because they're dead. And so now you have to figure out how to find that closure or how to be okay with it and how to move on. And that's what these guys are doing. So the title is really saying this is a love letter, not a love letter, but a letter that she's writing. The entire movie is symbolic for this closure, I guess. Wow. And she's not in the whole film. Wow, 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 wow. Very transformational a response there. I am talking with the team of CTC Media Group. Take some time to just tell our listeners how to connect with you online, how to follow you on Instagram, and maybe even how to support uh, your efforts. We have two websites. First, the film website, it's SincerelyBrenda.com. And that is Sincerely, S-I-N-C-E-R-E-L-Y, Brenda.com. That's the film website. You can go on the film website. And it also, it'll link you to our campaign website where we're raising money for the film. The company website is CTCMediaLLC.com. And that's the company website where you can... um, look at our old films, our shorts and our web series, and you can read more about the company. And I can send you these links when I, like, you can post them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I checked them out um, in researching uh, your company and, and just, you know, preparing for the interview. And, you know, I was so impressed by the body of work there as you guys step up to a, another level and present your first feature film. Now, a film of forgiveness, challenging topic because so many people would like to easily avoid it. But what I would love to ask is, do you feel that as humans, we struggle in life just to get to where we need to get to in life, being incredible business owners, incredible husbands, fathers, leaders, because we're struggling with these deeper issues of forgiveness on either end? Yeah, I think when you're holding on to hurt, pain, anger, we put a post up on our Instagram and we talked about forgiveness and someone put a uh, replied in, the, in there and said, why? And it made me think, you know, there's people out here that, like I said, they feel justified in their anger. And just think about like for a minute, though, how it, you know, if you're angry with someone, a family member or a friend, and you think it doesn't affect anyone else. Mm. And, and think about times when you have get togethers, family get togethers that you may not go to because you don't want to be in the presence of that person or you did something and you don't want to be in the presence of that person. Yeah. Um, just think about how many other people are affected by that. Think about what, if you have kids, 
and they're seeing this. They see this as they get older. Think about how it's affected. And that's, again, that's what the film was about. The kids were affected and we're seeing how it affected them in their adulthood. The two sons. You have to think about who you're affecting. So as far as like professionalism, like if you're looking to increase your job or you're looking to get it, you know, whatever, go up a level, whatever that, that anger, the things is going to, I feel like it will come back in some form. It's going to stop you at some point because you have to face that thing, whatever it is. And it could be a insecurity from the past that you meet head on with this job. And so now you're like thrown off your game because you haven't faced it before and dealt with it. It could be relationships. You're thrown off your game in relationship or you let a relationship die because you come face to face with this thing that you haven't dealt with. So you can run from it for a while, but I feel like eventually it'll catch up. And again, that's what the film was about. You know, the father, Charles, he ran from it for 20 years. He went to jail. He, what happened, what he did was he, this isn't a spoiler. He had a, a hit a girl, a young girl. He was drunk and the girl died. He had to go away. So he went away to jail for 10 years and he mm. got out and he promised his wife that he wouldn't come around because she said, I don't want you around the family anymore. And he promised her he wouldn't. But you come out and you're like, you feel like you're doing a good thing because I made this promise because I messed up my family's life. But really, as a man, like you should have confronted your family, mm. asked for forgiveness and begin to work it out. But 20 years have passed. And so now you have to come and not by any choice of your own. You have to come by force together and face this. And so people have to face things head on. And we could talk about that a little more. I know you have a question I think about, you know, how do you deal with or the steps you take? Um, yeah, yeah. Before we go there, I think I don't want to gloss over that two things. You talked about, you know, your Instagram posts where you were reminding people to forgive. And one of the responses was why or for what? And I love that you took the time to reflect because believe it or not, this is a very controversial message. And I'd say it's as deep and as big as a Dr. Martin Luther King, who's saying, I don't hold anything against people for being who they are, even though they are, you know, maybe loosened dogs on us, spraying us with water hoses, fighting for their way of life, even if it means endangering ours. And I think the reason I wanted to reference something that vivid and drastic was because I think at times we don't understand the bigger need for forgiveness, you know, and I think forgiveness allows entire countries to move on. So I love that you're taking this challenge, but redemption is also a theme. And I would love to hear you share on the difference between both redemption and forgiveness, or are they similar? Forgiveness and redemption. So forgiveness has to come before redemption. Forgiveness is like, I'm sorry, or you're basically being released, kind of not a full release, but you're being whatever sin you committed or whatever wrong you've committed. You're basically saying, I, I atone for that. I'm sorry. Like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sorry. And let's move forward. Redemption comes after. Redemption is the true freedom of it. You're like spiritually like, with redemption, it's you're free of sin. So in the film, the physical redemption that Charles had, he had once he left jail, he was free from jail. He was free from the consequence of hitting that girl, but he was still dealing with, he was still in bondage spiritually. He wasn't free because he wasn't dealing with the steps he had to take to truly become free from it. Like really accepting what he's done, approaching the people, having that conversation, asking for forgiveness, you know, going through those steps. Like he was stuck on, like, I pray every day and I truly feel sorry for what I've done, but he stayed like in his own space, just praying. And it said, you know, you can do that, but then you're, you're avoiding what really happened. He was avoiding what really happened all these years. And so I think the redemption is the true freedom from this offense that you committed. And that comes after you truly forgive. Mm. And so, Sean, I don't know if you want to jump in on and weigh in on that. Sure. When I look at the difference between the two, uh, like Ken said, like when you forgive, you're letting go of an anger, you're letting go of the blame of something. So whether it's something that you've done to someone or to yourself or that they've done to you. And redemption, when you look at the actual black ladder definition of the word, is God being able to save you from like your sin or your error of your way. So it's that freeing that comes from you being able to have already let things go and being released from it. So when he redeems us, he's freeing us from something. But when he forgives us, he's saying, okay, you wronged me or you wronged someone. But I'm willing to look past that now and see beyond that and move on. And in doing so, now I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to free you from whatever it was that was holding you 
whatever it was that you were holding on to so now that you can mentally, physically, and spiritually be in a better place. So I, I look at them based on their definitions and, and how we interact with one another and then how we, we have to deal with things within ourselves in order to find true forgiveness and in order to have redemption. Yeah, I want to add something on there, Bernard, because you said something about like uh, you brought up civil rights and how can you forgive things that were so drastic, you know, dogs right. being sick and, and, water, and, and violence. And really, it's not about the other person at the end of the day. It's about you, like, again, freeing yourself up from it. Because if, if it's about the other person, like if you say, I forgive you for this offense and the person is still coming at you in a negative with a negative spirit, like if it's about them, you're, you're wanting them to respond to you in a certain way. So you're not free. Like you're still held to this person's, you're still chained by this person. And so really it's like forgiving a person or asking forgiveness is really about you freeing yourself up and being free of the offense or being free from being offended and truly letting it go. It doesn't matter what this person does to you after that. It's like, you're free, like you're free from that. So I, I just wanted to add that because some people, they'll look at what the, the level of the offense, like, you know, well, they were like, lynching us and they were spraying us with water hoses, sticking even now and not even go, but look at what's going on now in society. You're saying they're doing this to us. They're doing that to us. And it's like, you just have to forgive them truly. And it's not about them, but it's about you being free. It's about you having peace. And it's about you having joy, because if you can't let that go, then you won't be free. You won't change. And it's going to eat you up. And so that, again, that's what this film is about. Um, each person truly having to let go of what happened forgiving the person and saying, I need to be free. I need to live an authentic life. I need to live the best life I can live. And to do that, I have to let it go truly. It doesn't matter what this person does after the fact. Powerful, powerful. And thank you again for just going deep and adding both the textbook context and the deeper reality of what forgiveness does to the person who truly walks it out. Now, in your lives, did anything change in terms of just heart work forgiveness stuff as you prepared the process, wrote the script, and started preparations to film? Did it have any personal shift in your lives? Yeah. Like what I mentioned earlier, Sean, you weren't on, but I talked about the process of writing the script, and I didn't think I had what it took to write it. And I was saying, God, put it in me. And I know when you said, just write it, stop being a perfectionist, and then having my son, knowing that he was on the way, it propelled all that propelled. But then the bigger thing is the faith. I realized that my faith in God wasn't where it should be. And it's still not 100%. Like I'm growing and learning every day. And so I think this film is helping me increase my faith because of what it's taking to get it made and get it done. Just how we found our actors, like just how, you know, everything that's going on in my life and in Sean's life while we're making the film. It's just so much happening and it's so much that you could, we could look and say, you know, we can't do this, but we know that it's a higher power at work and we know that this has to be made because it's going to heal so many people and it's increasing my faith. So that's how it's changing me. Powerful, powerful. Sean, anything to add? Yes. Uh, for me personally, I've had you no know, experience with family members close, like in-house family members where things have happened and I had to deal with them. And it, it hurt uh, without going into to too much details. But it was when you grow up in a household and you have, you know, mom and dad and things change and people do certain things and you can't explain. And you for years, it was like, well, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? And I just finally had to get to a point where with my own wife, and my own children, I was like, it's not me. Like, I can't harbor this emotion because it's not doing anything. It's not positive for my own family. And. I can't please them. I got to stop trying to please everybody. I just, I have to focus on me and making sure that my family is doing the best that we can do and being able to let that go and to move on and to forgive them and to forgive myself. Like this film, it kind of just hit home because I mm -hmm. felt like the things that I was experiencing going through with my own family, like here's this fictionalized family and they're going through similar things. And so then the character that I played emotionally, we have a lot in common. How he deals with it and how I ended up dealing with it, that's where we differ. Because I took to faith. I can't spoke about faith. I, I had to take to faith. I had to realize that people are in your life for a season and for different reasons. And it doesn't matter who they are. 
God places people who go be there for the long haul and people who are there just to serve a purpose for that season. And my character, Michael, like he doesn't have that spiritual development. And it took time for me personally to get there. But the script is, I was telling Ken, it's like, there's a lot that I'm seeing that's allowing me to find healing within my own personal life. And I've been able to move past it. But I have to make sure that I draw onto those things for Michael, my character, because he hasn't been able to move past things and let things go. And it's going to allow the raw emotion that he has to be able to transpire and come alive on screen so that somebody who sees that can find the same healing that I was able to find prior to the completion of the script just by being able to view the film and seeing what the character is going through and how he's able to grow and come full circle um, with it. What's incredible, uh, I'm sorry, um, I just wanted to add this. When I didn't know some of these things, like without giving anything away, like some of these things that happened in, in, with Sean's character, I didn't know some of these things went on in his personal life or he was going through in his personal life because we didn't have some of these conversations. And so it was just so incredible because like, again, I said I was led to write this and I was ignoring it, but God was saying, write it. Don't worry about it. Write it. And when Sean revealed that to me and said, man, this character went through this and oh my God, this is what, and I'm like, wow. I was like, wow. And I just think it's just so incredible. And, and I'm, I'm just excited. We're not even on set yet. We're still in pre-production. You know, we're still looking for locations and we're still raising money and we're still doing all that stuff. We're on set in July and August. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, this, this excitement and anticipation is just crazy. And um, yeah, we can't wait to get this in front of the people. Yeah, well, let's go there. One of the posts that you have on uh, CTC Media Group, your Instagram is, if I can tell a story that can affect just one person, at least you see the results. You know, and what's powerful is it's right here that you're starting to see those results bubble and build. Now you're talking about the process of film and indie film is community driven. What does that mean? And how do we take part? How do we help? Just tell us a bit about the process. Man. I could talk a little bit about the short films that we've made and the web series and just how the community. So Lansing, you know, there isn't a lot of, well, there's really no films really being made in Lansing and very few in Detroit. So when we started to call the people, I mentioned this earlier about the film incentives. Once the film incentives left, it was like the industry kind of left with it. And so I talked to the Michigan film office and, and I was just asking about resources. And the guy said, he thanked us for making a film in Lansing. I'm like, wow, like, really? He's like, man, there's nothing really going on. And so you guys really thank you guys for doing this and for thinking about the city and for using the city. And so the city, like Lansing, especially Lansing, like when we made our short films, people let us use their businesses. We used uh, this place called Sir Pizza in Old Town Lansing. People that from here that I listen to it, they know about that place. But it's a really cool restaurant. They let us do our premiere there. They let us film there two years in a row. We had this company that they own apartment buildings and lofts in, in the city. She let us use her loft for free. And it's just amazing. It added so much production value to our shows, to our web series, to our films, because it just looks so great. And so the community really comes together to give you what you need because they're so excited about film. People love films. They want to be involved. So, you know, people have given us food. They've given us locations. They've given us, they've come on set. It helped. They were extras. I mean, the community comes out, man, for things like this and is needed, you know, with an indie film, a low budget indie, sometimes no budget indie, you have no money, you have limited resources. And so you need all the help you could get. And so the community's really showed up for us in the past. And for this film, I mean, they're showing up. So that's the importance of community with indie film to me. Wow. Wow. That's super important. And I think, you know, you just sharing that and the inspiration of the community support will inspire future filmmakers to start their journey without, you know, the hesitation of where will this come from? When will I get my break? And I think just watching this process, watching you grow the brand and the business is so important for others to see. And I love that you guys are leveraging social media to tell your story of growing this and the stages that you're in alongside bringing this film to reality. Now, I'd love to hear you talk about the cast a bit you know, finding your actors, the actresses, you know, just finding the uh, crew, you know, things that I think will continue to inspire people to take part in this journey to bring Sincerely Brenda to a mass audience. <laughs> it's funny because 
Sean and I, if you, you listen to this podcast, you know that we are very believe in God, believe that God like has already ordained this and we just have to do our part. And so we uh, used a platform called Backstage. I guess Sean was listening to a podcast and they gave her a free coupon code and we used it. And so we got in for free. So we put up our casting call in Backstage and the response was incredible. And mm-hmm. we didn't think that we would get that type of response. We thought, you know, well, we're first time feature filmmakers and, you know, we probably get a few. And we're probably going to have to really go out in the community and really, really, we had like over 200 submissions. Um, most was for the character Grace. And so we were like just overwhelmed. And so, but we, even with all those submissions, still the casting process, you, when you write a character, when you spend so much time writing a character, like, you know, the writer, as the writer, I knew all the characters and I knew what I needed for the characters. You're looking for that. And it's not in how the person is auditioning, like with the lines. It's not that. It's deeper than that. It's what they're not seeing. It's their spirit. It's their presence on the screen. Because the lines, I mean, the person can say, hey, could you pass that cup of water for me? And it's not that. It's you're looking deeper. And so I wasn't seeing it in a lot of the characters. There are a few that submitted and you're like, oh, it may be close. But Sean and Shaka that says this, I prayed about Grace and I said, man, we need to find Grace has to be a very specific person. They have to have this spirit, um, this kind, warm spirit. You have to look at her and just feel like this presence of kindness and that you just kind of fall in love with that because you're going to need that. She's going to need to have that because of what happens in the end. Mm. Um, And so this girl, Brianna L. Jones, she submitted an audition reel and it came after I prayed, literally the day after she submitted. I looked at it, was blown away. And I think it was, Sean, what time was it? Like 2 a.m.? Or it was like really late. I it, said, was, it, was, it was pretty yeah. late when you texted me, said, check this out. I was, no, with Brianna, I was in church. When you told me, did I see this video? I was in church for Brianna. Um, oh, it was like yeah, 2, yeah. it was 2 a.m. for Simone, for Adriana. For Simone, and I was like yeah. in church, like during service. He was like, yo, did you see this video uh, for Grace? And I was like, no, I haven't had a chance to check it out. He was like, yo, you got to look at it. Like, you got to watch it. Like, you watched it like, I don't know how many times before you told me to watch it. And I like, in service, I'm in the sound booth and I just like put my headphones in and I watched it and I watched it like three more times. And then I'm texting like, yo, she's like, she's really good. Like, I can't stop watching this. Like, she embodies the essence of who Grace is in this film. And I kept watching and you just picked up these subtle nuances that she was doing that mm-hmm. was not on the paper, but made grace like come to life mm-hmm. and then that was we had like a conversation like after that and went back and forth and we was just we were so yeah she's incredible like just her presence like her spirit like she has a very warm kind and i'm like wow and she said to me i read the character i had to get this role because she embodies everything that i'm trying to become mm-hmm. and also again i can't give me spoilers but what happens at the end, she told me something and I'm just like, wow. She said, I just, this, I cried. She said, I cried after I read the script and I was just blown away. And again, just to people understand, like with films, you hear sometimes if you watch, I look at all kinds of interviews from directors and people talking about their film process. And sometimes it takes years to find the right character. And we have found some people we knew, we knew some of these characters already. So I've written some of these characters with people in mind. But then there are the Grace, uh, Clarice, Donovan. These are all new people that we've never met. And these characters are pivotal and they have to embody the characters. They have to have something in themselves that they can bring to the character. And we found every, like with Clarice, like Clarice came to the audition. Clarice is Charles's uh, best friend in the film and his sponsor, well, his, well, yeah, she's his sponsor and best mm-hmm. friend. Like she came to the audition and she happened to know the main character. They know each other. They did some work with each other. I didn't know that. And so she came and she read and Clarice was very difficult to find. Very difficult. I was looking for someone specific and she just showed up towards the end of the auditions and she comes on stage. She does it. She really does well. But then I had Rico Bruce Wade. Rico Bruce Wade plays Charles. I had Rico come up because they have most of their scenes together in the film. And I said, could you guys read this particular scene? And they blew, I'm going to post the audition eventually on social media. Oh, wow. Yeah, but they were powerful and their chemistry was crazy. And I said, wow, this, I mean, it's nothing but God. And so 
you know, with Donovan, like the guy sent in his audition reel and he, Donovan carries so much weight. Donovan is that guy that he internalizes all that he went through. So he's dangerous. Michael, like Sean was saying earlier, Michael responds very, he's extroverted with his emotions and his responses. And he's kind of laying waste to everything in his path and hurting people. And you know that something's going on with Michael and you, he's telling you something's going on. Donovan, like, you know that something's going on, but you're not sure. He's very quiet with it and he's boiling on the inside. And Donovan is dangerous because Donovan is that guy that you see on the news that, you know, you just shot up a whole store or shot up, like mm. just drive, doing crazy stuff. And it's like, why did you do this? He was such a nice guy and he didn't, well, he was dealing with this unforgiveness and this pain and all this hurt over 30 years. And it just exploded inside of him. So Donovan's character has this extreme, this immense weight that you just, it just comes off of him. And um, Leonidas auditioned and he had this weight in his eyes and on his, I'm like, what, how in the world? Instantly he got the part, everyone, but it's just amazing. And so the casting process is, was, I would say it was kind of easy for us because, (laughs) you know, the people just showed up and they're so supportive and they're so, they're doing the work and they're so excited about this film. And I'm so excited. (laughs) Powerful, powerful. Yeah. I was, uh, you know, just on your IG, as you were sharing, looking at the table reading, uh, looking at some of the cast members. So again, if you want to be more invested in this journey, you can definitely head over to a CTC Media Group on IG and just be a part of this process. Now, I want to get right to the heart of the matter, the fundraising for the vision of this project. How can we support? Where should people go if they catch sight of this vision uh, just to be a part of what is coming to pass. Yes, definitely join our social media. You said that IG is as sincerely, I'm sorry, is CTC Media Group. And the Facebook is the same. We're always posting our journey. We have the link that sends you right to our uh, pledge page, which is on Seed and Spark. If you go to our SincerelyBrenda.com website, there's a link that takes you, it's a support link that takes you right to the Seed and Spark page. But I think just definitely following us looking at the journey, understanding like what it takes to make a film, like meeting the characters, just, you know, investing, you know, just going and seeing those stories and then supporting. I mean, it's, it's huge. It's, we need the support. We can't make the film without the support of the community and the people. And just some of the things the support goes to, like the actors, the equipment, the cost, the crew, mm-hmm. um, the food, all these costs go into making the film. And so we are raising money for that. You could definitely, like I said, follow us on social media. It'll take you right to our page. Uh, Sean, I don't know if you have anything you want to add to that. Yeah, you sincerelybrenda.com. That's the, the movie website. That's where um, you'll find. Not only can you support us by just going on there and, and following us through the Seed and Spark campaign, but it'll, it shows you like exactly what we're looking for. So if you have something in mind, like if you have access to equipment or you have a catering company or whatever the case may be, it doesn't have to just be a monetary support. It can be in kind as well. So if you go on there and you say, hey, I'd like to contribute this, um, you can click on there and choose whether you would like to do a monetary pledge or an in-kind pledge, and it'll all go towards us being able to bring this film to screen. Also, the biggest thing is just please like share. Share share with, with everybody you can. We need this thing to see as many eyes as possible because the more people see it, the more opportunities there are for us to be able to get this message out and for people to be able to find healing and for opportunities to be created for, you know, our cast and our crew to be able to do and use their gifts and talents that God has given them in the state of Michigan where they live and and they want to stay and not have to go to Chicago, New York, or LA just to do what they're passionate and they, they love doing. So Anything. The monetary starts at $10 and goes up to 1500 And each incentive is listed. The in-kinds are listed, again, from like just equipment rental or providing food or a location. And then just making sure you click the follow and then just sharing it with everybody you can share it with. Yeah, I appreciate you guys, you know, just taking time to touch on that. I think at times we forget how much goes into the visionary work of a film. And I love you guys for, again, just showing people what it looks like so that they know 
that if they have projects that they need to bring to the table, something on their heart, that even though there might be an uphill climb ahead, going on that journey is worth it. Now, I want to dive right back into the story of redemption and forgiveness because, of course, I speak to the veteran leader community, those that love and support us. And there's a lot of trauma, pain, issues, struggle in that community. And I loved one of your posts. It said, sometimes we sweep things under the rug and we suffer secretly. And I think many of what you were sharing that this film helps with is helping you to lift that rug and and maybe address all of that stuff that you were just glossing over. I'd love to hear what was some of your journeys through moments like that, or maybe some more of how this film will help uh, those like myself who have been through some horrendous things, uh, some traumas, seeing some things, doing some things, war, help us to heal and get to that place of forgiveness and not just forgiveness for others, but forgiveness for ourselves. I'll start, I'll use the film kind of as a guide. So Charles, or I wrote the film, and if you break it down, it's kind of uh, based on the 12-step program, but Charles, he stops at step three. And so what that means is, so the first step is admitting, you know, that you're powerless over the addiction. And so it could be like you said, you were a veteran. And so the veterans out there, it may not be an addiction, but it may be like experience that you went through and war or experience that you went through that you are trying to run away from, but you can't run away from that. So Charles tried to run away from the fact that he was an alcoholic and what, what happened and what he did with his family. So he admitted to being powerless. He admitted to it, right? He did, but it wasn't a full admission. It was just like, yeah, I did this, but he didn't really analyze fully and really take personal inventory of what really happened, what went down and what, how that affected his family, how it's truly affecting himself. So the second step is believing that a higher power can help. So he did that. Charles, he became a staunch like Christian. He was like, I'm going to read my Bible, the scriptures. I'm going to like heavily focus on the Lord. Like I'm going to work on my faith. And he did that. And the third step is deciding to turn over control to the higher power. He did that as well. He stopped at the third step. The fourth step is taking a personal inventory. And actually the fifth step is going to another person, admitting to yourself and another person that the wrongs that you've done. So Charles, he pretty much cycles between step one through three. And I think a lot of us, we admit that we've done something wrong. And then like now we're going to say, we're going to pray about it. We're going to pray over here in our corner and we're going to read our scriptures. And we are like, God is going to take care of everything. God has this under control. But you don't approach the people. So for a vet, like maybe you could get with a group or you have a group that you could talk to or even your family, opening up to your family about what happened and what you're going through. We don't. We just stick in our, we stay in our corner and we say, well, it's going to be okay because I know I did something wrong and I know I'm going through this and I'm not doing it anymore and I'm praying about it or I'm just not doing it anymore. I mean, I even be praying about it. I'm just not doing that thing anymore, you know, and you feel like you're good, but you're not because you're not addressing what truly happened. You're not trying to heal from it. You're not approaching the people that are being affected or that have been affected by it. So that's what I mean by sweeping these things under the rug. And, you know, then people die or you die or someone else dies and then there's no closure. And now this person has to, either yourself or this other person, they have to figure out where to find this closure. They have to deal with this. And that's hard. And again, that's what happened with the sons. Like Brenda dies and like, you know, Donovan went through so many things with her as a child. And now Donovan can't, he has to find that closure elsewhere. So this affecting Donovan as a husband. He's like afraid to become a father. He's like, as a husband, I may not be the best husband I can be because of this. My dad, what he did to my mom. So, I mean, it's all these things that all these people that we affect. And I think we have to be able to admit it to ourselves, find that higher power, whatever that is for you approach to people and get in a circle where people can hold you accountable and you can speak and talk to people about these things. Love that. And I love that you, again, just took the time to go deep and show us a process. And I think showing us the 12-step process gives us a visual of what we can move through in, in finding that forgiveness and finding that place of healing. Now, I wanted to ask this, and you know, first to you, Ken, as uh, the writer, director, and then to you, Sean, as one of the pivotal actors on the film. For you, Ken, what was one of the hardest scenes to write and why? And then, Sean, what was one of the hardest scenes for you to read through as you're preparing to to film and why? So I I thought about this the other day and I can't answer. So I'll give you two scenes. The first scene is truly 
the hardest scene, but I can't talk about it because it's a spoiler. But as I was writing that scene, what I can say is it was hard because I didn't want what was happening in the scene to happen in real life. Like, and it was, it, so that's all I can really say. Like, and, and I just didn't want it to happen in real life. So it was hard for me to write that scene. I didn't even talk about it. And I just wrote it and just said, okay, I have to, I have to write it this way though. But the second scene I would say that was hard to write was the dinner table scene. It's like the pivotal scene in the film where everybody is sitting around the table and they're all together. And it's just so much that's not being said. There's so much being said, but there's a lot of stuff that's not being said. And it's like the this scene between Charles and Michael. You know, Michael, Sean's character in the film, is like the antagonist. And so he's coming at Charles and you have Charles who's trying very hard to stay on the wagon. And this whole weekend is not helping him with his sobriety. So that was a very hard scene to write because... There was stuff that needed to be said that wasn't being said, but you sense something. It's like palpable, like the tension at this table, even though they're trying to make it comedic and light, there's all this stuff going on under the surface. So that was a hard scene to write for me because you want to make sure the rhythm of the scene is there. And a lot of stuff is going to come on set when you're there, but you want it to be authentic. At the end of the day, you want it to be authentic and real. And sometimes you can overwrite or try to explain things. And it's hard to like write with leaving the stuff that really needs to be said out. And so that was a tough scene for me to write. Powerful, powerful. Sean, any scenes without giving it away, just really gripped at your heart and challenged you to grow as a human being? Yes. So I know earlier I spoke about some of my family dynamics. And in order to answer this question, I am going to have to go go a little deeper into that. But I think that's the beauty of it because in me being able to share my story, then somebody else who has something similar they can relate to, then they can find their own personal healing. And when I was 10, uh, my biological mother and my biological siblings, they moved back to Detroit and, and I ended up staying in Lansing. At that time, with my godparents, who I call mom and dad, so that just kind of sets it up. So my mother, my biological mother, my mom and dad is referring to my godparents. So from the age of ten up until now, I was raised by my mom and dad, my godparents. I spent from ten to maybe no, actually, the time of her, my mother's death in 2013, dealing with this split and me being raised in Lansing and them being in Detroit. And my upbringing wasn't the best, but when I was in Lansing, that was like an opportunity that was given to me. So things kind of changed. And so I had to deal or struggle with like my brothers and my sister and my mother, like them struggling and me being removed from the struggle and having like this better life all of a sudden. It weighed on me heavily. And it wasn't until 2013 when I found out that my mother passed that I was able to talk to my siblings and we were able to like find that healing that we need for all of these years to be able to let things go. With that, the relationship between my dad took a turn for the worse. So for whatever reason, it just got extremely bad. And so when I spoke earlier where I had to realize that I got to be able to let some things go and be able to let some people go. That's a hard decision. I mean, how do you do that when the people who you love and they've raised you, all of a sudden you feel like their back is turned to you and you don't know why? In the movie, at the end, it's a very powerful scene. Michael and Charles, they have this moment where the back is no longer turned. So, where Michael may have felt like Charles turned his back. Everything that Michael has gone through and experienced his whole life, like now Charles is face to face. And it's so emotional, it's so powerful. And it like it changes the whole dynamic of the film. And it it allows you to be able to see men, like strong black men, emotional and vulnerable in a society where we're supposed to be tough. We don't cry, we walk with our chests out. Everything that says in order for you to be a man, you can't do these things. It happens right there in that moment. And for me, it was like, this is awesome because like my whole life, like I felt in some way like Michael, but I didn't react like Michael because I had certain people around me. And more importantly, like my faith allowed me to be able to navigate throughout this process completely differently. But at the same point, Charles and Michael are face to face 
and Michael no longer feels like Charles turned his back to him. And then for me in my life, I was like, I got to get that same feeling because there's so many people who have turned their back on me and I want them to at least know if that's the walk that they choose, I need them to know that I'm okay with it and I'm no longer holding on to the hurt and the pain that they caused me because they turned their back to me. It's so much more than like what's on paper because like I'm going through like some of that myself or I did go through some of it. So that's a very hard scene. And I wanted us to shoot this movie in order so that like that buildup and that emotion is felt from beginning to the end where it's finally released so that it's natural, so that it's real and you get raw reactions like on screen. Wow. I appreciate, you know, you just digging deep and sharing that. I know that just hearing those words will not only draw people to the film, but help them walk through their past and catch up to the moments of forgiveness and ultimately redemption. One of the things I'm very impressed by is watching both of you walk out your faith through this, the healing, going through moments in life that are tremendously intimate, yet knowing that if we don't share, those who need to be reached won't be. I'd love for you both to just take some time and maybe share why your faith has brought you to this point, to this art, this movie, and this moment. Because I think maybe not enough filmmakers really express what role faith plays in their process, in their journey to write, in their journey to act, and in their journey to reveal a part of themselves in each character that they embody. Yeah. I would say, again, going back to my struggle to write this, again, I didn't go through a lot of what these characters go, are going through in the film. And but I just had to be obedient. For some reason, God put it on my heart to write this. And for some reason, I had to be the one to tell it. Maybe because I didn't go through it, Maybe it's the lens that I would tell it from because I didn't go through some of these things. I don't know. I really don't know. I couldn't answer that. I just know I had to be obedient. I will say the characters do come from where I don't want to end up. So Charles is where I don't want to end up. Donovan is kind of close to kind of how I operate at times, keeping things inside, um, letting things, you know, weigh me down. And Michael is how I want to react to things. So if, if I can say they are extension of who I don't want to be, who I want to sometimes be, and then who I am. But the stories and, and the things that they go through, I didn't necessarily go through that. So I just had to be obedient. It's just faith making this. Writing this was faith. Like, and every time Sean and I set off to do a project, we do it, we finish it, we complete it. But this was substantially larger and more ambitious than anything we've done. And the time period at which we're doing it in and with everything else that's going on in our lives, it's very ambitious. Some people may say, well, you guys can't pull it off. And I think that's why the faith part is important because if you look at it on paper, probably you probably, well, I don't think you're going to be able to pull this off. Um, and people have said that to us. Maybe you should readjust certain things, readjust your schedule. Maybe you should ask for less money. Maybe you should hire this person instead of that person because that person doesn't have the said experience and you need this person. So many things. But the thing inside of me is like, no, I was given a vision. And I'm being obedient to that. And I have to have faith that it will come to fruition. May not come to fruition the way that I think it should. It's not going to look like the way I think it should look, but it's going to come to fruition. And I'm talking like this, but I trust me, like probably four or five months ago, Sean and I was having conversations on the phone and I'm just like, yo, I am Sean. I don't think this is, and I'm, and so I just thank God for Sean as a production partner and his faith. I'll be transparent about one of the phone calls. It was funny because I, I called him with something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I called him with something and he just got quiet. And I'm like, why is he so quiet on the He's just not saying a word. And I'm just like, all right, well, I think I just pissed him off and let's just get off the call. But then he started speaking. <laughs> he said, I had to be quiet because I felt doubt and fear creeping up inside of me because of what I was saying to him. And he said, I had to be quiet because I was pretty much, he was praying and trying to be silent and waiting to speak because he said, I couldn't go there. And it's so important that to have people in your circle that like you guys, you have a vision and like you can trust each other and that you can depend on each other. Even when the other person is down, like he didn't like go there with me. 
And after what he, he said something to me and I was just like, I can't do that no more. I was like, I respect what you just said and I can't go there anymore because this is too important. And it's so easy for the enemy to get in and for your fears and doubts to creep in and you just stop everything. And so faith is very important with this. And if you don't believe in something, like if you're just, like I heard someone say, yeah, you can do stuff on your own power, but you're going to go so far on your own strength. You need to have that faith in God and the higher power. And then you have to have people in your circle that can help lift you up when you fall or when you're weak. Like you have to have that person you can trust and confide in, that accountability partner. Yeah, the only other thing, he seemed to can't get me in the gym. Like that's the one thing. (laughs) He's trying to get me back in the gym. And he's staying on me every day. He's like, get in the gym, get in the gym. But yeah, no, um, no, man, that's what I've been going through. Powerful, powerful. Sean? For me, is faith has been an essential piece to just my livelihood. I've grown up in a church and come from, you know, I've got a background of preachers and ministers. And so I've been a part of, it's like, it's in my DNA, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't waver. And one of the things that I've always wanted to do was act. And so when I was young, I, I was going to be an actor. I was going to go to Hollywood and I was going to be, you know, this big star. Like I had this role map by this age, 15 million Oscar, this, 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 this. And then I remember my senior year in, in Morehouse, somebody seen it and was like, oh, you're a little bit behind, right? And I just laughed. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I am. Because I was like 21 and I was supposed to have already done some stuff at that time. Fast forward, now I'm 35. And that list that I made, like my own self, like that never materialized. But what has materialized is the fact that I realized that that wasn't for me. I went to LA in 2009. I was a part of this theater company called Eastern Sky Theater Group. It was faith-based. I watched these actors who had their belief. They were working in Hollywood, but they were not compromising their belief. And it made me realize that what I thought as a man was what I wanted as a child of God. It wasn't what I needed. And so I had to change my whole game plan. And so just being a part of that theater company, I grew and I grew spiritually and I grew as an actor. And so I started. So by the time I went out there, I had like, I think I already had a one feature, one screenplay written. I rewrote it. I kept the theme, but I changed like the language and stuff like that. I made it more mature and fitting to where I was now spiritually. And I changed the format of CTC Media. So now we stand on 1 Corinthians 3, 7 that says, neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything except God who makes everything grow. So then fast forward to 2013, when God tells me to move back to Lansing where I don't want to be because I'm in LA where I've always wanted to be, I meet Ken for the first time at a play that didn't happen. We just hit it off. So from there, everything just happened. So it materialized the way God wanted. So I had to get in God's plan. Even though I continue to want to go back to LA, I had to realize that his plan was better because now when we fast forward to 2018, we're working on this feature film. And so when it comes to the vision that he's given me for this company and for being able to create opportunities for other people, like my faith doesn't waver there. Like I jumped a long time ago and I didn't have a parachute. Like I jumped. There's issues in other parts of my life where um, my faith may seem to waver because of my personality and the things that as a man, I feel like I have to have control of. I have to know how this is happening. But because of what he's done in this company, I'm able to move that into areas of my personal life where now I I know I don't have to figure out how something is going to happen. I just have to figure out what I'm supposed to do. And as long as I know what I'm supposed to do and I execute that, then God will take care of the how it'll happen. So how things happen on paper seems like they're never going to happen, like they're impossible. But my faith in God says, well, all things are possible. There's no limits on God. So I'm not going to put any limits on me. So my vision is like, it's huge. And for people who may want to go into acting or may want to do filmmaking or whatever it is that you feel called to do, like your vision for that has to be huge. Because if it's something small, that you can accomplish on your own, then you know that is not what God wants you to do. Because God is going to have you see something and you're going to be like, oh man, God, how am I supposed to do that? That's the question that kicks in faith. 
because it's not how I am going to do it. It's what do you want me to do so that through me, you can get the glory because I know you go operate and you go do things that I didn't even think of or imagine. And I'm going to be able to share this testimony. And one day we was working out of an office in our home. And the next day we on set making this movie and we only had $985 raised. But somehow through your favor, we raised $40,283. And we were able to do more than what we first thought we were going to do with this film. And look at all the people that we've been able to bless as a result of being obedient and holding on and trusting into your every word and not allowing doubt and fear and people on the outside to creep in and to manipulate and break what you've already told us was going to happen. Bernard, I want to add, because Sean spoke about faith again, and you're asking about faith, and I want to put like some flesh around everything that we just said. And, it, and it's this, I was reading, I was doing devotion, and this came up. In one of my devotions, it says, vision always precedes preparation. It says, initially, your vision will exceed your competency. Within the context of that tension, God will go to work on you. So it's basically saying, like Sean was saying, his vision is big. You have big vision. You have to have big vision. You know God is doing something when it's big. And you know God, you have to depend on God to help bring that vision to fruition. So you're going to say, God, like what he was saying, like, really, I don't know if I can do that because the vision always precedes the preparation. So once you see the vision, you have to now prepare whatever it is you need to do to prepare. You have to take the steps towards that vision. And it said, initially, your vision will exceed your competency. You're not going to understand everything. You know, a lot of times I feel like people get caught up because they don't have the knowledge and they're like, oh, well, I can't do that because I don't know. I deal with that. It's saying, well, no, you may not know. You can either learn it or you find someone that knows it and put them in your circle. Your vision will exceed your competency. And then within the context of that tension, the tension of not having that knowledge to get to the vision and not having the resources to get to the vision, within that tension, God will go to work on you. That's faith. That's God like working on you, working on your faith. You have to believe that it will come to fruition one day, but you got to go to work. That's what we're doing, man. We're, we're going to work. Every small, the smallest thing we can do every day, like eventually is going to lead up to us at the premiere, people watching the film. And we want Again, with this film, you asked earlier, like, what are your guys' plans with it? And we talked about that. And one of the things with the premieres, we don't want to just do regular premieres where you come watch the film. We want to turn the premieres into events. We want people to come and to be healed, but to get up and give their testimonies of trials of faith. And we want to pray for people. We want it to be that type of environment where you are not just watching the film and walking away saying, oh, that was good. Like, it's like, no, you're walking away now with some healing. You're going to walk away and go to someone and say, you know, I need to forgive this person or ask this person for forgiveness. Like, that's what we want to happen. We want the film to live well beyond you know, the scene. We want it to permeate into people's lives and change people. So just wanted to add that quote about vision. Powerful, powerful. Man, I, <laughs> you guys just kind of rewrote the ending of this. I do appreciate that though, because I, as someone who needs faith, you know, I think there's levels and I need faith. It's, for me, it's like air. I was on some training yesterday and that was the training topic. What is faith to you? And because I've been to war and when you go to war, war gets into you and I've had to do the hard work to heal from that. Faith has become pivotal in my life. And I love what you shared about the tension. I love what you shared, Sean, about the journey to the moment and how much bigger than you it is. And as we close, I want you guys just to, again, remind everyone how to connect with you, remind everyone why this is important. But lastly, just take some time to express why this, why now? Yeah. So you can connect with us again at sincerelybrenda.com and our company website, ctcmediallc.com. Why now? I just, I mean, healing is important. Forgiveness is important. Without going into too much detail, it's a story. I know I, I have a story of forgiveness from, it was a past relationship. person I was dating, uh, our parents didn't agree with the relationship. It was um, interracial. And so there was a lot of tension there. They were respectful. And what I didn't understand was you're so respectful and, and you're saying I'm one way and nice and this and that, but just because of my skin color. Like the content of my character did not matter. And so that hurt me to the core. 
and it changed. I let it get in so deep that it, I was in depression for a while. I was living in this apartment at no furniture, blankets on the window. I just had a bed and a desk. Like the kitchen was dirty, dark. Like I would go there and live one way in the apartment. And I was in grad school, so I had to go and be, go to class and interact. And I would be a whole different person in front of the people. But I was in pain. And it changed who I was, really, because I couldn't understand. You hear about racism and you hear about like, you know, all that stuff. But I couldn't understand like how someone could say one thing that was positive, but didn't have it. I'm just like, I don't, I didn't get, and it just hurt me to the core and it changed kind of who I was. And so I had to, there is really when I found God. I grew up in the church, but I really found God like when I was by myself in that apartment depressed. And one day I was like, I got to come out of this. I just remember being in the shower and I was just crying and praying. And I was screaming to the point where I was screaming, wailing, like it was so deep. And I'm like, God, you have to help me. You have to pull me out of this. And literally after that, like I began to change and I had to forgive the people involved in that. And I had to understand that, okay, let me look at it from the perspective of a parent. Like I get it. All this is like, you have a child, you want your child to be safe. You love your child. In your mind, like this is not going to make my child safe. And so I had to latch on to that and say, I get it. I understand. Forget all the rest of the stuff. You want your child to be safe. No matter if this person's good or not, your child, like, you feel like she won't be safe. Even if that doesn't even make sense. I had to say, I forgive them because I understand they want their daughter to be safe. They want something else that they felt wasn't going to be beneficial. So I couldn't hold on to that. That's what I held on to. I forgave and I moved on. I just feel like this movie is going to help people realize that, again, like I said earlier, it's not about the other people. It's about you. Like it's about you being free. It's about you having joy. It's about you living an authentic life because you can't truly help other people. Bernard, you're in the business of you want to help people. You want to help vets. You want to help people break loose of whatever that's holding them down. You can't truly. 100% help someone else until you are free because you're not going to be speaking from a 100% place of authenticity. And so that's why I feel like this film is going to help people break free from something that's holding them back and change their lives moving forward. So that's why it's important now. You know, that's why I feel like that's what's important to to make this film now. (laughs) Wow. Powerful, powerful. Sean, any last words or? I was thinking about something that you said, you said that you know you're looking for faith and and you've been to war and how that sits on you. And, and I just speaking to your audience is you go and you're fighting for a cause. You, you're fighting for, you know, your country and you see things and you do things that you have to live with for the rest of your life. And I think that in life, we do things that we may feel like is always the right thing to do at that time. It's just the best choice that we have. I mean, and I've never been, you know, in that situation but I feel like if it's like a it's me or you and they're fighting against us and I'm trying to survive I got to get home I'm just thinking about like I have a family so if I'm in that situation like I'm literally fighting to get home to my wife and to my kids and I respect what you all do and I believe that if those moments bring memories that you just don't want to hold on to and there's a lot of folks where you know we have the PTSD and things of that sort I believe that through God, because of his deliverance, they can find deliverance of those memories, of those moments. And when Ken was talking about this 12-step program and where Charles is in the film, it's actually been able to get to the place where if you say, look, God, I need you to take this from me and I want to be free from it. There's the redemption. I want to be able to move on. I want to be able to live life the way that you want me to live life. That can happen. And it doesn't mean that we won't have any difficulties from then on or things won't trigger, but then it's being able to find the strength in the word and with the people that we surround ourselves with that allow us to continue to fight that battle and move on so that we can be free from those things. And that's what faith allows us. I mean, even looking at what what Ken was just saying about the interracial, this film right now is so much more than just the alcohol addiction is so much more than the accident that happened. It's so much more than the parent-child relationships and things of that sort. Because what we're facing in this society right now is just straight hatred for one another and it's killing us. But we have to be able to recognize what happened to us in the past and not sweep it underneath the rug as if it didn't happen, but be able to say like, this happened. Now let's recognize it 
let's say that it was wrong and let's be able to find forgiveness for those involved so that we can move on so that our children don't have to continue to live in this type of world and then their children don't have to inherit that and so on and so on. And so this film speaks to so much more than just the alcohol and the parent-child relationship. It speaks to what we're seeing every day. It speaks to what you as a vet may be dealing with every day and just being able to get to a place where we can truly let it go and move on and find that freeing that we need. Because you hear people say, I can forgive, I can't forget. Well, you didn't forgive then, right? So like true forgiveness, God doesn't say, oh, I forgive you of your sins. I'm just going to hold them over your head every time I see them. It's like, no, I forgive you. So I let them go. They're done. Like you don't have that burden anymore. So we have to be able to get to a place where we can forgive and we can forget so that we can move on. Not forget in the sense of, oh, it never happened, but forget about it so that it's not a chain every day that we wake up, a chain every time that we see that person, a chain every time we hear that person's name or a chain every time this particular news outlet comes on or this person starts talking or we get around this group of people it's we're able to actually forgive and forget so that we can move on and it's not it's no longer holding us down and i think that's why we need to get this movie made that's why people need to support this movie right now that's why we need to get it in front of as many people as possible because god is trying to get us to a place where we can see reality on the screen and not just the same stereotypical sterile whitewashed material that's not allowing us to be able to be edified and educated while being entertained. Wow. Well said. Um, I think we touched on the heart of this film. So I want to thank you guys for carving out the time to join me on the podcast and just share this message of forgiveness, this message of redemption. To all the listeners, sincerelybrenda.com, and you better start following CTC Media Group on Instagram. Ken, Sean, thank you again for your time and just thank you for your words of wisdom and bringing this vision to the stage. Thank you, Bernard. No, and thank you so much for having us on. We really, really are honored to be on. You are our very first podcast. And so I just want to thank you for reaching out to us and just offering for us to be on your show. It was unexpected. It was a blessing. And we truly appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. I always tell Ken that God is intentional. And so I just believe that this was already ordained and you have a platform. And I'm just grateful that you allowed us the ability to utilize your platform um, during this time. And my prayers for you and all your listeners is that God continues to grow you, prosper you, and allow you to be in good health and uh, bless you in the ways that you need and that he uh, you know, wants for you. Um, for you and all your listeners. Uh, may God continue to open doors for you. Thank you for that. Thank you as well, uh, Ken. Powerful moment for me, just hearing you guys share the vision, the process, and to just hear about the details of the journey and what this film is going to do. So happy to help get this out. Like Even as you guys were wrapping up, I was crafting a message to my editor, my podcast editor, and say, we need to rush this episode <laughs> because... <laughs> For me, this has been the literal most powerful episode all year. Just your heart for what this work is and the message. Again, and I love the word you use, Sean, ordain. I, I think there is a season for what you guys are doing, and I want to make sure I do my part in that process as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, you have an amazing rest of your uh, business day. Thank you. You too. Thank you too, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.